If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Dominic Swantoski. I'm the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. The Trout Bitten crew is here with me tonight, and I'll introduce them in a minute. We're here to talk about tying flies how that aspect of fly fishing kind of changes everything for us. And we'll talk about why I think that tying flies can make you a complete angler. We won't spend much time in this one explaining tying techniques or talking about fly tying tools and materials. Maybe we'll do that in the future, but maybe that's best for the written word, for pictures and video anyway. Instead, this discussion, this episode is about why we tie flies why it's important, and how it gives us an advantage on the river. We'll talk about what we change in fly patterns, how we adapt our flies to the conditions, and much more. So let's get right to the introductions. Uh, I'll start with our friend Austin Dando, who was absent last week because of, uh, well, I'll let him tell you. (laughs) Responsibilities. Right. What do you have to say for yourself, man? You know, It's a good thing I wasn't here last week and you guys would have nothing to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, we spent at least 10 minutes talking about you. That was a great time filler. (laughs) I I was falsely um, framed in that last episode as having not been able to put the steering wheel back together. I'll have you know, I attached everything properly (laughs) and put it back in its place. All the wiring connections I was accused of. And it's working Mm -hmm. fine. (laughs) Was it your car or your wife's car? Coming in with some attitude. It was my wife's car. Uh, that was Bill's guess. Yep. So it works fine. You're saying you put all of later. that stuff back together. Yeah. Back together. Was it back together while we were doing the podcast or were you working on it? That was the, mm. that, that was the main thing. I don't remember. <laughs> I think I had one more bolt to put back in or something. One, <laughs> one more. It was a mess. It's too complicated. Mm. I couldn't explain it to you. You wouldn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't understand. That's right. None of us. Trevor might understand. Oh, yeah. He can understand everything. See? (laughs) He's the the think tank. (laughs) The key is not to be smart, but to just make everybody think you're smart. How do you do that, Trevor? Just say very little. Then you can't contradict it. (laughs) Just be a doctor. Just go to medical school. (laughs) Just be a doctor. It's easy. Flash your credentials. That's right. But Austin, really, is that the most, it looked a mess. Was that the most complicated thing you've tried with a vehicle? It looked worse than it was, honestly. It wasn't that difficult to take apart. You just pop off the trim, disconnect all the wiring functions, and drop it out. Um, Makes it sound easy. It's the most visually messy thing I've done, that's for sure. But changing brakes, mm-hmm. like, wasn't that much more work than this was. This was probably less work than changing brakes. 
Disc brakes is easy. Mm-hmm. Um, drum mm-hmm. brakes kind of sucks. Yeah. If you have drum mm-hmm. brakes, sorry. <laughs> it's those springs. <laughs> I'm always worried about my fingers. The money <laughs> I use makers. my fingers for a living. Well, most people do. That's right. Money maker. That's right. Austin, why did you have the steering wheel torn, torn apart like that? Oh, because Kia has this uh, great design where uh, in their power steering motor, they made a plastic coupler that wears out real good, and uh, it makes your steering wheel uh, crank mm. against itself. So I had to go in, take that out, and the only way to get to the power steering motor was to drop the column to the floor, and then I could mm. uh, take apart the casing to the motor and exchange the part for a new plastic part that hopefully will last me until the car is no longer with me. Wow. You had a plan. I did. Did you just complain about Kia? They're never going to run ads. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> Way to kill a sponsor. Kia you and Hyundai, they both have the same great design. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're back. But we are, We're yep. missing Matt, and we'll let him tell you why he was missing this week. They had an accident over at the ranch, so we can't joke about that. Mm. Yep. It appears to be. Although Bill called him, say anything mean. (laughs) Nobody's joking about it. No joke. Bill told him. Bill called him cowboy. He said, "Okay, cowboy, you can't be here." Okay, cowboy. Okay, cowboy. It was it was a it was an issue with a horse. So I mean, so he called him cowboy. Anyway, here's Bill. Here's Bill. And uh, I just don't want to be a cowboy. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't want <laughs> see I read I re- his text was a little ambiguous because he said he had an you know an employee got bucked off a horse okay. have to take him to the emergency room may not make it no is the employee not going to make it no no he meant may not make it to the podcast oh see I thought it was like life or death and then Bill's like oh okay cowboy I was like that change things cow that's cold that's not what you say that's not what you say Bill Come on. <laughs> he just doesn't learn. Right. Trevor has chastised Bill many times. Like, that's not what you say. No. Come on. Come on. Social cooth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Here is Bill Dell, full of social cooth. And uh, I just have one question, Bill. Everybody wants to know, what is your best confidence fly? Best confidence fly? I'll say my streamer, the Grinch. It's a good one. Nice. Does that one. fish all year long or just around Christmas? It delivers presents all year long. <laughs> Occasionally whiskeys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And it, what's your best uh, confidence nymph? A stone fly. Probably a, I like the drone stone or like a Polish, wo- like a woven stone. There you, there you go. go. You spend time to weave stones? I think they're just, yeah, I think they're, I've got it down where it's not too much longer than uh, than wrapping like a pats with yeah. chenille or something yeah. like that. Than dubbing. So we're here on a, uh, we're, we're about to talk about tying flies, right? And Bill has more flies than all of us combined, I think. Do, do we do we agree with that, That's right? probably He's true. Right? He's so right. like, Definitely. Right? You get to the back of Bill's vehicle and he's like, hey, uh. Uh, look I'm at like this. The, that toolbox. <laughs> yeah, like cu- I'm like a, I'm like a drug dealer. You know, give you a couple, get you hooked, and then you got to come back. Ah, oh, yeah, those people, and you're one of them. With row after row after row of just like a size 14 pheasant tail, he'll like he'll have like three rows of them. I'm like, yeah, go to hell. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never ever have gotten ahead of the game that much. But I admire that, Bill. No. I actually had Bill tie and flies, right? Didn't I mean I asked you to tie I got way behind uh two falls ago. And Bill did a fantastic job tying my patterns the way I like to kind of have them. And uh Except they were too heavy. Nah, they were perfect, man. But I just felt weird <laughs> fishing anybody anybody else's flies. And I did it, you know, I guided with those flies. We caught fish. There was no difference, but I still felt strange. I, I felt very strange. We'll talk about that in a little bit about whether we like to fish yep. other people's flies. Hey, here's Trevor Smith. Uh, Trevor, I have one question for you. What's that now? Do you like tying flies? Uh, yeah, I do. I do love you? tying flies. Yeah. Love. I, like, I, have, Go I have tedious hobbies um, and, and fly tying. I've tied flies as a kid and enjoyed it a lot. Um, I, I think it's just a relaxing thing and it has a little bit of art in it and a little Mm -hmm. bit of artistic expression in it there's some that i like more than others oddly i think i like tying 
more complex patterns better. Um, I like our night streamers. I like streamers in general. I don't have a ton. I don't have the time right now to really enjoy any of it as much as I would and could. But when I do have the time, I really enjoy patterns that let me kind of play around a little bit. Um, Yeah, yeah. And the streamers really are that way. And the night streamers in particular have been fun to do that with. <laughs> um, yeah, Josh laughs because we, we have a, at we have a standard. I like, well, yeah, you go. You to you. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, you know, we've talked about the Pendragon, the fly that kind of Trevor and I created together. Mm-hmm. It was our He's brainchild. Bragging. And bragging yeah. about. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, well, kind of. We we kind of have a standard and then and then we have Trevor's <laughs> that oh, yeah. changes every time right, like, yeah. a little bit. Absolutely. I don't have any two yeah. that are the same. It. Yeah, and we did agree. Yeah, we yeah. talked about this, and yeah. they all—I mean—they work well. Each one of them works well, and sometimes <laughs> I'll catch an extra big fish on one. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's cool," and I'll never tie that one again. <laughs> I'm not that way. <laughs> Neither like am I. you said, Josh. There's a standard, and then but right, I admire. Well, it. Yeah, I admire the the ambition to create yeah. something and mm-hmm. to test something. But there, for me, there's a standard, and mm. then I'm going to deviate from that. And if it works, yep. I'm going to try to reproduce it. But yeah. Doc, mm-hmm. you don't do that. Yeah. Huh? I, no, oddly, yeah. We can we can it. talk about it. I got some points on. I got <laughs> we can <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> just, he doesn't want to learn anything. <laughs> Anybody else uh, commentary on uh, whether you like tying flies or do not? I do it out of necessity. If I had a choice to have a uh, supply of flies that I approved of at the ready at all times, I would yeah. probably choose that rather than having mm. to make them myself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. If I have to tie I, them because I need them, it's not fun. If I'm tying them because I'm just using time, then it is yeah. fun. That, that's mm-hmm. exactly how I feel. Well said. I've gone through seasons where I really do enjoy it. It feels like at this point, it's like a past life <laughs> where where I would sit down and do that for fun. <laughs> it's those three kids that'll do it to you. Yeah, you look up and Kelsey's having a baby. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> time i look up (laughs) but i i really did used to enjoy it a lot and that's and i enjoyed it for what it was you know not not just i think i would text austin pictures all Mm. the time like god there's another two rows Mm -hmm. you know just getting excited about it yep didn't you lose a whole fly box once but that that was a long time ago yes i did lose a whole fly box once oh no brutal tough like so brutal a couple hundred Mm. flies I took a spill in the winter on one of our favorite rivers. And That's brutal. And we had good winter flow. It was like um, one of our favorite rivers was running at like 700, and I fell, and it was gone. Man, that'd be so terrible. So many hours of work. Do you think that's worse yeah. than losing a rod? Yes. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, there's a couple hundred flies in there. Yeah. That's time. It is. Hey, the one guy we did not introduce is Josh Darling. Needs no introduction. No, you might need one. Here's Josh. He rounds us out. (laughs) I round out the group nicely. That's right. right. (laughs) Did we ever say that? I don't think we've ever talked about that. Got a comment one time. Got an email. Dom, I love the podcast, this and that. This person had very nice things to say about Matt. Very, you know, in-depth things. Matt really adds this. Trevor is so intelligent. And he knows everything about wool. <laughs> Such a good dude. Uh, you know, Austin. Yeah, I forget what it was. Nice things about Austin. You know, not, Bill is, you know. So, Austin so it, has the tactical. Austin has the in-between seasons that he's gaining clout on. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People think he knows more than other people. But really, he's just good at, like, following along with my cues. <laughs> That's I don't know why I hang out with you people. <laughs> <laughs> and this person was saying, and then Bill, that Bill guy, he's so entertaining to listen to, and he thinks for himself, and he's kind of he's so funny. And then it was like an addition, and they're like, uh, and uh, and Josh really rounds everything out. Really, yep. really rounds out the group. <laughs> it was like yeah. an addendum. Oh, I almost forgot to say something about Josh. Nothing stands it, out it, about him, but Josh. it felt very much that way. So. Mm-hmm. If you made that comment, I could really use some encouragement. Yeah. Come yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I shared that with the whole group here. So just so Josh could feel, you know, good about himself. Because mm-hmm. he was like, he was you're still included, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted you to see where you stood with that guy anyway. Guys, thanks for letting me be here. It's, really, <laughs> I mean, it's an honor. <laughs> I have a question for you too. 
Good. <laughs> We're keeping these all fly themed because this is fly tying night. Uh, what's the first fly you ever learned to tie? Uh, you guys know what a crackleback is? Yes. Hmm. A crackleback. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like a woolly bugger. Yeah, it's like a... Uh, it's without like a, a tail. Exactly. It's a small woolly bugger without a tail. No bead, generally. It's a dry fly, but you can fish it like a wet, right? Yep. Or a nymph. Yep, that was the first fly I learned to tie. Neat. I fished it a lot. So it is it dubbing? It's hackle. Hackle mm-hmm. like a woolly bugger. But is it dubbing under there? Uh, usually it was um, peacock curl. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. I still carry them. They're smaller than I used to carry them, but I still carry them. How they're, small? They're kind of like my... Um, uh, 18. No kidding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you the yeah, only person kind of, in the world wow. that ties them that small? Probably now. <laughs> That's like a Griffith they're kind of, they're kind of. Yeah, exactly. They're kind of my replacement for the Griffith snap. Mm. That's hard to say, isn't it? Mm. Griffith snaps. Yeah. Especially I wonder how that comes tooth. through on these mics. Griffiths. Harder for some of us than others. <laughs> <laughs> little shot. little yeah. shot at Thong. Shot across the bow. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what we should do? Should move right into our topic. There Let's we do go. it. There we go. <laughs> Whether it's after a fishing trip or at a backyard fire, you can bet the trout bitten crew has a case of new trail broken heels along with us. It's honestly our favorite beer. This hazy IPA is smooth and full bodied. Hand selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken heels is a keeper. New Trail Beer is proudly brewed in Williamsport, Pennsylvania and delivered cold to your favorite craft beer retailer every week. At New Trail, it's not about being the best angler. It's about getting out there. So enjoy nature's moments and reward yourself for a day well fished with New Trail Broken Heels. It's Trout Bitten's favorite beer. As fly anglers and tires, we understand the value of having the right tool for the job. AvidMax.com offers over 20,000 products and the knowledge to help find the right tools for your job, whether that be at the tying bench or on the water. Listeners of the Trout Bitten Podcast receive a discount at AvidMax.com. Enter the code TROUT10, that's the number 10, at checkout to save 10% on your order. Orders over $25 ship for free, so you can put more gas in your tank or beer in your cooler. For all things fly fishing and tying, elevate your game with AvidMax. All right, so let's move into our topic, right? We're talking about fly tying and kind of the complete angler, and we're spelling it complete, C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E, not complete, like the complete angler. Anybody ever read that? <laughs> oh, what's his name? Uh, who wrote? Uh, uh, shoot. Mm-hmm. Somebody Google it. Don't tell me. Google it. Don't tell me. it. What's his name? Wald, Walden. Really? Isaac Walden. I think it's Walton. Walton, Isaac Walton, Walton right? <laughs> yeah. Is it yeah, Isaac Walton name. with the complete angler? Spelled like Old English. Fact check. Little fact checking. Little pause. Google says. <laughs> um, of course, it's a website, Complete Angler Online. Hold on. Complete. Please hold. That's like how they spell uh, oldie. Isaac Walton. Mm-hmm. Good job. Good job. So anyway, we're spelling hey, it complete. Nah. We're spelling it like normal people, not like old English. And do you guys agree that tying flies makes you uh, a more complete angler? Or let's say a better angler. Does it make you a better angler? It definitely makes you more complete. That's kind of without question. Does it make you a better angler? Yeah, I think it can. And I think it does. I think if you tie for the purpose of of learning how different materials and how different patterns sort of affect drift, affect drop rate, affect, you know, like there's a lot of tie-in to the style of fishing we do. And Mm -hmm. I'm just taking nymphs as an example, but um, when you begin to tie nymphs, it sort of ties in a piece of information about getting good contact and getting good drifts and the resistance that a fly has in the water and how to create a fly with a slimmer profile and the materials you use and why you use them, what weight you use and why you use it. There's a lot of pieces of information that you begin to think about even as you're tying the fly that sort of feed into how you fish those particular patterns. So I think, yeah, I think that it absolutely can make you a more conscious or more cognizant angler, like Mm -hmm. in terms of you're more aware of what you're using and 
why you're using it and how you're using it? Yeah, for me, the two things just went hand in hand from the beginning. Woody Banks, the Indiana angler, told me right away, he goes, you need to tie flies. And he made it real simple for me. He told me to tie a green weenie and a woolly bugger and a pheasant tail. I eventually went to hare's ear and uh, started adding patterns, right? And um, he just kind of told me, well, if you're going to fly fish, you need to tie flies. And I don't think he was doing it to sell me materials either <laughs> and advice. Hell, he gave me half of what I half of what I had there in the beginning. Woody was great. And for me, they always went hand in hand. Did you guys start tying from the beginning? Yeah, from the very beginning. I had a history teacher in freshman year of high school who introduced me to tying flies. Um, He used to bring his kits in from home. He used to to manage an Orvis shop, and I'd tie during study hall. I'd tie after school. I'd tie during uh, lunch period. And he taught me how to tie streamers and all that stuff. And that was like, Within a couple of years of me starting, and I started to really kind of get obsessed or taken over by the sport. And uh, from that point on, it, it really taught me how to look at food forms and even streamers mm. and things like that to see how bait fish would move in the water and how my woolly barger would do the same thing in a way that I didn't look at it if I picked it off the shelf of the store. Good point. Josh, you got something? Yeah, when I started fishing, it was, uh, I didn't I didn't grow up in trout country at all, and so... It wasn't until mm. I was 11 or so that I started fly fishing. Um, we had a group of friends. My dad had a group of friends, and I kind of just got lumped into it as his, as his kid. Every time we'd go out, we'd, we fished in Missouri, and we drove from southern Illinois to Missouri. And every time we'd go out, we had like a, like a point structure that was set up so that we could compete against each other. It was not competition mm. fly fishing, but it was competing against each other in a very friendly manner with our friends. Uh, sure sounds like it. Yeah. sound yeah. like it. Anyway, there was a there was also a, a hierarchy in in the classification the of oh, yeah 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 yeah. There was also a hierarchy in in terms of the the classification of angler that you were. So you could be a you could be a trout bum or you could be a senior trout bum. And if you were a senior trout mm. bum, you had to be able to. You know, one of the requirements was that you caught a fish on a fly that you tied. And so from the very beginning, I saw that as something that was necessary to be able to do. And so I learned to tie like. Nuke eggs and cracklebacks and and hmm. uh, like San Juan worms and and woolly buggers and that those were the go tos. I didn't learn to tie other nymphs for for a few years after that, but from the very beginning, I was tying those flies so that I could check that off of the list, so I could become a senior trout bum. <laughs> kind of from the beginning, mm-hmm. then yeah. Just so all of us, right? From the beginning, I started from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I, that was one of the draws for me is that I could like yeah. take something, create it at home, take it out on the river, and then catch fish with it. It just made. I right. felt like I I used to joke with my friends and say, a fish that I catch on my own fly counts as two. Yeah, that's I, funny. I just it just it felt twice as cool to me to be able to do that. Uh, Joey, my oldest son, uh, has been fishing a lot of spinners and lures and stuff. And I actually bought all the stuff that you need, like beads and hooks and uh, sh- uh, these little wire shanks and things. Oh, and a blade, uh, a French blade we use for tying spinner. Well, I keep saying tying, for building spinners. And I'm talking about inline spinners on a spinning rod. And so it, it just feels better, different, uh, more rewarding just to be catching fish on the spinner that we built together at my, well, fly-tying desk. And Joey has said it himself. That's pretty neat. That's cool. We just built that last night, and now I caught a fish. So I think everybody just feels that, you know? There is a sense that, like, ah, I did this a little bit more than, like you said, Austin, just grabbing it off the shelf. Yeah. You're more invested, I feel like, at that point. Yeah. And Austin also brought up how you learn more about what you are fishing. If you are thinking, like, well... As you're tying it, let's see, tie a woolly bugger. Lots of people tie a woolly bugger first off. And you start thinking, what's this look like? What's this, you know, what are they going to eat this for? Right, Austin? Yeah. And even uh, the colors, the simple things, the the shape, uh, Mm. how flashy it is, how dull it is. Mm. What does the underside look like? What does its back look like? All that stuff when you have to make it yourself and you don't have to assume it um, because that's what you were able to get. It really makes you question the reasons of why you make certain selections. Yeah. 
You start to think about what is under the water. What is it that I'm representing? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then does that drift? Does it swim? Does it, yeah. It yeah, just yeah. ties you into the whole process. Exactly. Right. Does it drift? Or does it swim? And those are two different things, right, Trevor? Yeah, absolutely. Did you guys go through a phase where you would like go out, find the bugs, like take pictures of them, and then go back and try to replicate like almost an exact pattern for each bug? Yeah. Yeah. One of the first dry flies I tried to tie was a trico, which is dumb. <laughs> Bad idea. It's, it's I, a tough entry. Yeah, I don't think I did very well. Uh, I try. I also tried to tie royal wolves, and those were, they caught mm-hmm. fish, but they didn't look real good. Uh, yeah, Bill, I mean, the reason I was trying to tie trichos is because uh, I was starting in the summer, and they were, that's what they were. And I took samples, took them into Woody Banks again at Indiana Angler, and he said, here, here you go. And he said, you could tie those. There's not much to it, but yeah, good luck. You too, Bill. I mean, did you try to represent stuff right from the very beginning? It's funny that you you went to dry flies. I felt like the first thing that I've started mm-hmm. to try to do was with nymphs. I was like, okay, let me go find all the nymphs and then try to take pictures of them top and bottom and then go back. And then oh, that's cool. what I found is most of the nymphs were light on the bottom, dark on top. And so there started to, like, to me, it started to become a, yeah. a trend. Like, for the, yeah. for the most part, mm-hmm. I would say... The majority of mayflies have that characteristic. Oh, yeah. Stoneflies. Well, it gets back to, like, you're, you're woven. You said you like weaving them. You know, the woven mm-hmm. flies, that's, that's what yep. you can do. That's the advantage. That's about the only way you can, almost the only way you can do it, too. Similar to Josh, I didn't yep. grow up with trout water around me. Mm-hmm. And the way I did it is I had uh, art flicks, pocket yeah. guide, stream <laughs> pocket guide, and that had yeah. all of the... Uh, high definition photos of each uh, species of bug, and I used to just try to copy his photographs. Hmm. Uh, at the vice, you tried to copy his. That's right. pretty cool. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. And so I sure meet cool. a lot of anglers because I guide all the time, and many of the anglers that I, hmm, some of the anglers that I meet, uh, we're using a nymph, and then, well, I kind of find it fun to just, you know, reach down, grab a rock. And usually whatever we have at the end looks something like what we're going to find on the bottom of that rock, right? And often people say, I never saw that. I never really thought about what the nymphs really are looking like. I'm like, Well, that's something good to think about. And again, I, I guess that is how I think it makes you a better angler. If you're tying something to the end of your line, don't you want to know what it's supposed to look like? And like Trevor said, how should I be moving this? Or should I be moving this? Rather, should I be dead drifting this? And then you're going to, I don't think you need to know the entomology from, you know, bottom to top and all the details. If you want to, excellent. Dig in, learn that, teach me. But, but I do think it's important to know what's at the end of your line. Why are you fishing that? What What's it supposed to look like? Why do we think it works? And again, like, what we'll talk about here in a little bit, what can we change to make it work better, right? It's important also just to know, like, does yeah. that exist in the stream that you're fishing? Like, you might see a YouTube video mm-hmm. that's like, oh, yeah, everybody loves, this, like, a size 6 Pat's rubber legs or something like that. But that doesn't exist mm-hmm. in every stream. And if that doesn't exist in that right stream, it's almost pointless to fish that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You could attract almost. them. Almost, almost right. right. I wrote an article not too long ago about why do they take our flies? And I think there are two different ways. I think most often they're taking our fly because it looks like something that they usually eat, or at least close to something they usually eat. But another way is that they are just going, what the heck is that? Let me Mm -hmm. test it. Let me test it. Let me put my mouth around it. Oh, let's get it out of there. But if we're quick enough, we can can hook them. I think lots of times. Yeah. Austin? Uh, Yeah. When you mentioned that, the first thing I think of is all the stuff that they eat that isn't actual food. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes you see them eat a little piece of stick or a piece of a leaf or a pine needle. Um, sometimes they'll even rise to that sort of stuff. Um, they are sampling and feeling stuff all the time. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, so there are things that we put on our flies then and maybe that we change about our flies that we adapt to sort of draw their attention, right? Now we can kind of talk about the things that we can change or adapt modify on our flies 
to get their attention. What is something that you guys have changed on a fly that you feel like it clearly made a difference? Have you had that experience? I would say the one thing that I changed, at least with my dry flies, is that I've gone to like a bleach deer hair. Yeah. Because in my opinion, the fish can't see above the surface, right? For the most part. I think that's a fair assumption. They don't see the top of your fly. And so, yeah. Right. And so if I add bleach deer hair to the top of the fly, they're not going to see it. Yeah. But it was a game changer in being able to fish longer into the evening during hatch season mm. because I could see mm-hmm. that bright white bleached hair, you know, in the shadows. And so it allowed me to fish till 9 30, 10 o'clock. Where if I was fishing a true dun color of like blue or dark, it was game over Mm -hmm. like 30 minutes before that. And so like, that's one thing. um, That's the first thing that comes to mind, like that I've changed that I was like, wow, this, this was a big win. Hmm. Reminds me of Grove and his widow's web, you know, that he uses for similar purpose. Mm -hmm. I think he has a contract with widow's web. He has to mention it every other part. I think he does too. (laughs) That's where he's at now, the Widow's Web Conference. (laughs) Actually, I'm on the payroll tonight, so. (laughs) That's right. Trevor did it for him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was contractually obligated. (laughs) (laughs) So, Bill, you just brought up something that you changed in a fly to help you, which is cool. I mean, I'm with you. What have we added, has anybody added, uh, something to a fly so you think is going to affect how the fish eats it? I've I've started to take something away uh, over the years mm. my flies have become less and less flashy so i used to have more let's say um, flash in a streamer or, or flashy rubber legs in a streamer yeah there's none of that anymore in any of my consistent patterns um i used to have a lot of uv dubbed collars on nymphs yeah. um, pretty much those are non-existent except for a pattern or two and whatever i'm experimenting with but I, I've taken out, Dom, you kind of referred to it as a term of triggers. And, yeah. and I look back at some of my old patterns, and I had so many triggers. In there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, the bead is like the only trigger, in my opinion, I really need because it's such a, a big one. Yeah, on a nymph, for example. So maybe that outside of a, um, a hot spot occasionally mm-hmm. on a collar, sure. they yeah. become really drab. That's a neat way to approach it. I'm kind of with you, Austin. I've said, I, I think trout are looking for reasons not to eat our fly. So I like a trigger in there. And maybe the bead is enough, like you said. Or maybe a bead, maybe just a hot collar, maybe no bead. Maybe just the green of a green weenie is enough. There's your trigger. Now I'm yeah. not going to put ice dub at the head for some kind of dubbed collar. Nope. So I'm kind of uh, in the mindset of one trigger is enough, maybe two at the most. And then I'm trying to not turn them off, get their attention, and then not turn them off. But I really am thinking about the profile. Uh, Like Josh said, I'm trying to give them something that they're used to eating. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That's probably the thing that I feel like I'm most picky about. And and I agree with you, Austin. I remember like uh, some of the older flies that I've tied. You know, I I mean, like everybody's heard of like a Frenchie with that, you know, that like pinkish or... uh, Like peach colored, yeah, that shrimp color, yeah, the shrimp color. Yeah. yeah, everybody's seen that shrimp ice on like you scroll through Instagram or something. But that's you know I started with that and then it's been completely removed from like even even my more attractor style pheasant tail patterns. It do, they don't have that kind of thing on them. It's just a it's just a red or an orange collar or something like that, you know, it, along with a bead. Um, but the the biggest thing is just that profile, like. Like I'm, I'm really picky about it, and I want a, like an even taper going up the body, yeah. and I want you know huh. a tail. Even the tail might be a little bit of a, a little you know a little bit of an attractor, but it's it's very sure. Yeah, it's it's subtle. Long tails or short tails? Mine's a little bit longer. I'm not going to tell you what it's made out of, but it's a little bit longer. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't tell him either. He'll he'll put it on his Instagram <laughs> account. <laughs> Yeah, but really, That's Josh, right. those that profile, that tail, that whatever, uh, how mm-hmm. how much dubbing you you put on, and your taper, as you say, I mean, that's something you could change, and you, you probably probably have adapted over time, right? And you want it to look yeah. your way. 
That's why I think tying flies makes us a better angler. Not only do we have the confidence in it, we really believe it's not just like blind confidence, not for me anyway. I really believe my <laughs> flies are going to catch <laughs> more fish than any of your flies. It's also funny to think about, we can get so wrapped up in patterns, right? Sure. But compared to when we started fly fishing or fishing to where we are now, we're probably better now than we were, right? So mm-hmm. I used to fish, yep. I used to tie these um, uh, makeshift green weenies out of like my sister's friendship bracelet kits. <laughs> and I'd take the brightest green yarn in there, I'd wrap it on a hook, and I'd go fishing and they'd catch fish. And at sure. that time, I had a lot of confidence in them. Right mm-hmm. now, uh, I, I wouldn't fish the same pattern, but I think I could probably still fish that pattern and catch fish today. I don't know. There's, there's this combination between how much confidence we have in our patterns and maybe how much confidence in our own ability we have to put fish in the net. Ooh, that's a good way to put it. Do you think you catch more with that old style or with your, uh, I don't know, newer style? Uh, I don't know. They probably do the same. <laughs> you need an A-B test it. <laughs> yeah. It's bright green. It's fine. <laughs> For over a decade, Smith Creek has provided innovative, high-quality fly fishing accessories designed to put your gear in easy reach, free up your hands, and keep our waters clean. This November, Smith Creek is releasing two new products just in time for the holidays. Check their website to see the new tippet holder. Each unit is individually machined from high-quality billet aluminum and anodized in one of two eye-catching colors. They hold up to five tippet spools with a patented spring-loaded plunger design that is easy to load and keeps your spools right where you need them. All Smith Creek products are built guide tough and backed by solid customer service. To learn more about Smith Creek products, visit their website at smithcreek.co. Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure. I will say, I think every good, ang- well, seriously, every good angler I know ties their own flies. Or, the one exception, my buddy Chris Hazer, I've mentioned him a couple times. He knows exactly, he's, re- he's a real picky dry fly guy. Fantastic with dries, occasionally fish nymphs. He just loves fishing dries, and he's really good at it. And I, he doesn't tie. Maybe he used to, but he doesn't right now, and he hasn't for years, not since I met him. But he has Dom Duso tie his flies, and he ties them exactly how you know Chris wants him to tie them. So, in, in essence, he's tying his own flies because he's still making those adjustments. He's like, "Hey, I want a little thicker, I want a little thicker hackle on this one, or I want this one, you know, uh, you know, with a longer tail or a different shade of dubbing." And he's always tweaking the flies, and he'll show me things, and they're you know. He's, he's making those adjustments, but he's, anyway, he has somebody else tie them. So seriously, every good angler I know really, well, the best anglers I know tie their own flies. And these are the, the reasons why, the stuff we're talking about. Have you guys sure. tried, have you guys tried like buying flies from, I mean, you can find like a bunch of like custom fly tires and stuff like that. Have you ever tried, tried doing that and, and tested the flies out? So I've, I've tried it a couple times, like where I've seen like, oh, that's a cool looking pattern. I'd be like, hey, can you tie me like two dozen of those? Mm-hmm. Like, it, what, what's it going to be like, you know, 40 bucks or something like that? Like, I'll try it because they look really cool instead of tying mm-hmm. it myself if I'm busy or something like that. And almost all the time, the biggest thing is they don't hold up. Like, they fall apart. Like, or, mm-hmm. or the beads corrode mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a matter of days, not months. You know what I mean? Like, where the, the, they lose their shine yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And this, so that's a that's another thing is like the the durability of the flies that I tie I know are going to hold up to many fish and if they sit in my box yeah. for a little bit they're not gonna they're not gonna go super dull for sure I've had a similar experience Josh but and I've also had good experience buying flies but I 
I just feel a little bit like disimpassioned to other <laughs> people's flies. Yeah, good point. <laughs> but once I started tying my own, yeah, it just feels <laughs> Big like words. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like less satisfying to catch a fly right. on somebody else's. Now, if it was one of you guys, that'd be kind of fun. That's fine. Um, I won't fish your flies. But at least I know you, and it's probably a pattern that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I like when Josh runs out of night pen dragons he's usually pretty reluctant to take one of mine but i will different say every time he doesn't josh, know do what wanna, he's getting do you wanna, are they that bad josh are they do you want to tell josh hold on tell the good people how many of your night namers were on my pen dragon versus yours oh, i've only caught three and one of them was on yours hmm yeah no one okay yeah i thought it was two yeah he I, thought it's, it was it's still a high I thought percentage 33 percent yeah 30 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no it's still you know, yeah, now it doesn't uh, seem that yeah, cool trevor's no, trevor's giant version is called the gypsy queen and it's um still a pen dragon oh, that's bigger love that name beefier and it it caught tuesday so do you name your flies before you catch fish on them no i don't invent enough patterns to have like a real way of doing it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I definitely named that we named, I mean, I feel like we named the fly when we created it and then we knew we'd have success on it and we did. Yeah, We're not so, into, <laughs> oh, we, you know, okay. like we know it's going to be successful. Well, you knew it would be successful because again, you adapted yeah. it from other We saw patterns, problems in other right? patterns. I mean, and we said, like, and that's how can we fix these, like, these problems? And we fished it and it worked. Yes. And, and, well, I mean, like the Pendragon got its right? name. Yeah. It, we, we didn't name that before. But, that got its name from its first namer that it caught, you know? So. You're right. You're right. right. Yeah. In retrospect. Now, do you guys think that there's any such thing as an original pattern? Well, these days, it's like writing a new song. No. Yeah. But you can't really tie a new fly. But everything's a variation. And mm-hmm. absolutely, there are different things to do. You're talking about knife flies. I felt like one of the problems or the things that I wanted to adjust, I wanted, uh, we've, we did a full podcast on the mouse emerger concept. And I yeah. wanted a fly that wasn't going to ride right on the surface, but it also wasn't going to drop too fast. And I wanted it to be three and a half, four inches long. And all of the flies in my box would drop too fast, even if they didn't have any weight built into them. So I knew about like an intruder style head where you tie some Arctic fox um, and, and that kind of holds, it, it doesn't hold any water. So it ejects, the, so the fly ejects water on the back cast and you get this little air pocket in there. If you back cast it well, it's, it kind of enters the water every time kind of fresh. And mm. that's what I call the rogue. And you guys know this. And it just drops right through the water real, real slow. Every time. It does not get waterlogged. And so for me, that was one of my most satisfying experiences of like, I'm going to solve this problem. It took like six months. But I I figured this, you know, I want a a streamer that's really going to drop slower and still look in the ways Mm -hmm. that I wanted it to look, uh, especially at the front end, you know. Yeah. I think that's, some of the most satisfying stuff is finding a problem that annoys you and then going out and fixing it and being like, Oh, I got this pattern now that it may not look the fanciest. It may not be the greatest pattern, but it it fits that niche problem that you have and it will catch you fish. That's so much of fly fishing too. Like just finding problems and figuring out how to fix them. Yeah. So why wouldn't we also do it with the flies too? Right. Right. I mean, we should say too, I'll be negative Nelly now, just like you were last time, Bill. I mean, not everybody likes to tie flies. Oh, yeah. There's uh, my dad, for example. I, I once gave him a Christmas gift of a fly tying vice. It wasn't the vice. <laughs> I put his gift in a fly tying vice <laughs> box because it was a running joke that my dad, he, he, did, he never wanted to tie flies. And so I tie all his flies. So I was like, here you go, dad. Hey, Merry Christmas. <laughs> He's like, Ah, uh, thanks. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm just kidding. I'm still going to tie your flies. It should have been a fly tying vice and then when he, like box, and then when he opened up the box, it was flies. Oh, there you go. Well, see, I, didn't, I probably didn't have the time to tie a full box of flies for him. So no, <laughs> I, I don't know. I put whatever it was. It was like wrenches or what do you get dad for Christmas? I don't know. <laughs> wrenches. <laughs> wrenches. There's another wrench, dad. wrench, dad. It's not really a fly There's tying another, vice. It's a 10 millimeter. Right. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, not everybody's going to love time flies. 
we're not saying that you can't be a good angler if you're not tying flies. But I think what we're all saying is, again, you'll be, it, it completes the game. Well, it doesn't complete it, but it adds a new element to what we are trying to do out there. Like Josh just said, we are trying to solve problems. Man, you can solve a lot of problems or test things or have theories and think, hmm, what if I did this? What if I added an orange hotspot on this? What if I did have more hackle wraps here so that it would float more? Because I'm fishing in, you know, faster currents here every evening and my fly is getting drowned no matter how much uh, desiccant powder I put on there, no matter, matter how much gel. I need more hackle wraps. So you do that kind of stuff to adjust. And when you're a regular angler, uh, you get to test your solutions against those problems. And that is fun. I mean, that's it, right? I mean, it gives us something new, something to look forward to as well. I just tied this fly. I can't wait to go out. You guys like that? I mean, heck, right before this podcast. Right? Yeah, right before this podcast, I, I tied up something. I did something a little bit different. I, I put a different kind of spin on it, and I'm excited to fish it tomorrow. I do that all the time. So how many times over the years have you done that, and it's just a total bust? Like I can, especially with streamers, oh, I always right. feel like, oh, I've designed mm-hmm. this great fly, and I'm going to go out and fish it, yeah. and it just fishes like garbage. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I got to go back and rethink this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Over half the time. What about you, Bill? A lot of times where I think I have like the yeah. next big thing and then it's like, nah, I might as well have just tied a Ziploc bag to a D10S. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I think the first time out, a fly needs a good showing. And if it doesn't have a good showing, eh, you know, it's like it's, it's kind of locked right there. Because especially with a streamer, if they're not going to eat any streamer, well, then they're not going to eat your Ziploc bag streamer either bill yeah then your (laughs) rule doesn't make any sense then you know which one because you you might just have a bad day yeah yeah but so it doesn't make any sense but i do lose confidence (laughs) if it doesn't have a good showing the first time out (laughs) and it is hard to go back to again Mm -hmm. yeah right and i'm the type to clean my box out oh three or four times a year like nah that didn't work get it out give that to dad one chance baby give that to dad (laughs) sometimes (laughs) i feel like (laughs) <laughs> this one's great this one's been give, that that one give that to a friend when he needs flies <laughs> trust me that's why i've got you know multiple boxes and bins full of stuff is because i keep trying and testing things yeah and yeah what's funny so when i first started tying flies i would tie a bunch and i didn't fish quite as much and I would send them to my friend, John, who lived in central PA and I would, and then occasionally I would get a text and he would, he's like, you got to tie me more of these. And I go, what do you mean? And then he, I was like, can you send me a picture of it? Cause I'd send him, you know, 50 or so flies Jeez. to just test wow. and be like, Hey, can you test these and see what's up when I first started? Cause I was, I mean, my flies were terrible, but somehow they would catch mm. fish sometimes, but occasionally he mm-hmm. would be like this one's magic and he would send me a pic and i was like well send me a picture of it because i don't know what i um one of the flies i was like eh. it, was, it was something that i didn't think would work but it was really well and so it, it it's turned out to be a good pattern over the years now do we know what it is are you holding back it's 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 it's, it's like a sulfur emerger but it's uh it's tied with some different materials Different code words Different. from Bill. Is it orange? A little bit. A little bit orange. A little bit. I don't know. I, it's the same concept that I like. Is like uh, It's a light over dark type thing. So you're catching more fish during a sulfur emergence than anybody else around. That's what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Watch me. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> I mean, it even gets close to the water. They come out and eat it. We're doing so, all right. So good stuff. We're doing a lot of why we like to tie our own flies, how it gives us confidence, the things you know. But let's let's talk about it real quick. Let's do kind of rapid fire, like things we can change, things we can adapt on a fly. So we've named a few of them, but uh, here we go. I'll start it off. I mean, you can change the hook hook style. Maybe somebody's tying it on a jig hook, and you say, "I don't like jig hooks. I'm gonna tie it on a regular hook." Or maybe I just want uh, a bigger gap in that hook. 
or a stouter wire, right? These are things that I've changed with a hook style. Somebody, we all read a recipe. And for me, I'm the guy who follows that recipe, you know, to a T the first time. But then I find problems with it. And I say that hook wire, that's too, too thin. That doesn't work for my fish. So I'm going to change the hook style sometimes. What else? Size. Right on. Yeah. That's good, Austin. I mean, nice job. One word. Uh, to be clear, what you just did was not rapid fire. That's true. But yours was. Very yeah, rapid. So. <laughs> Weights. I'm going to take uh, Bill's sulfur merger, <laughs> and I'm tying it like, I don't know, size six, maybe size four. Catch them all. There you go. <laughs> At that point, it's a stone fly. Austin's, uh, Austin's pheasant tail probably cuts through the water better than any of ours. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Austin's pseudo pheasant. So. Yeah. Tell us about that, Austin. You changed took something, out, didn't took you? Out all you the took resistance. the pheasant tail, which everybody loves, and you said, you know what? I can make this better. Uh, Tell us how you made it better, Austin. This is an off-air conversation. <laughs> really? I think I added more resistance to that fly. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I put yeah, dubbing yeah, on yeah. it. My, I don't know why I thought in my mind that it the was... The body is dubbing. It was a thread, yeah. He, he said, this needs more resistance. I need you to get into the strike zone <laughs> slower. Austin pseudo-pheasant tail. It's all about the drop. Austin's always got to do something different. But that's the thing, right? That's what we're talking about. As fly tires, we always want to, you know, hey, I, that's, a good, that's a good pattern. I think I'll improve it. I have a craft uh, fur jig. I call it a craft fur jiggy. But <laughs> real creative name. And so Austin takes it, and he goes the jigless jiggy. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to buy jig hooks. It's the best. It actually might work better than mine. The jigless is good. The jigless jiggy. So you know what I did, Austin? You know this. And I fished them. And that's how I found out, well, that's just as good as mine. <laughs> they work as good as yours. Is that what you're saying? Uh, so what he did was instead of having a, a lead ball jig with uh, powder paint on the lead ball, he didn't want to mess with that. So he took a brass, or rather probably a tungsten bead, shiny, and uh, everything else is pretty much the same about the craft for a jig, right? That's right. I have right. Uh, lead under... Uh, Lead wraps, wraps underneath yeah. the UV ice dub body mm-hmm. in a dubbing loop, and then I stacked the crafter. Right on. So then I took that, and, and Austin was calling that the jigless crafter jiggy. So oh, then yeah. I took that <laughs> because yours wasn't on a jig hook. Right. So I took that, put it on a jig hook, put a slot of beads, and now the, the whole thing does legitimately invert even in streamer sizes. And so now it's a jigged, jigless jiggy. Yeah. <laughs> and it works works quite well not a lot to it see not a lot to say no to on that fly there you go what else what else can we adapt on a fly hook type uh size what else everywhere you look now it feels like when you're looking at fly patterns the the tendency and i think we've talked about this is to go pretty big on the on the the bead and so that's like one of the first things I change about any pattern. Usually I won't even use the original. I'll go straight to tying something with what I feel like the proportions and the the taper should be. Yeah, so I get, yeah, I guess proportions, dimensions, whatever you want to call it. That's like the first yeah. thing that I'll change about any pattern usually. Yeah, there's lots of new nymph yeah. patterns out there. And I look at it and I go, eh, yeah. I'm not going to let the head take up 50 or 80% of the fly. <laughs> I'm going to change that, make it proportional. I'm the same as you portions trevor you've been itching man you've been trying to get in i I mean as an example i like to change the shade of different you know or or different the colors of different patterns higa's sos has always been a good fly for me oh yeah and i like it in the in the black original kind of color it's a good attractor pattern Mm -hmm. but i've also tied it in a variety of colors that i basically just took flies that are successful for us seasonally here and the colors that they have and Mm -hmm. have tied use those color schemes to tie the Higa's SOS in, in different, you know, colors. And so, you know, whether it's, hey, copper bead works really well in the fall or this this fire orange hot spot does really well for me in the spring or whatever mm-hmm. it is, I've kind of adapted that pattern and used it as a template and then sort of changed the, the particulars of it. And I, I do really, really well with it. Um, and so it's just been kind of a fun mod- modifying of that original pattern that you know, created and invented by somebody else. But mm-hmm. I think that's another thing that we enjoy as, as fly tires is finding that template or that platform. Yeah. I mean, I, I have Waltz worms in my box that are, there's probably about six different variations. There's three different variations of pheasant tails. Yeah. 
You can add flash. You know, you, there's so many different things, right? What else do we add? What else do we change? I guess one thing I, I think the inverse a lot of times just to simplify patterns. And mm-hmm. so if I catch on pattern A, I'll start to take things away from it and see if I still catch, see if it's still as mm-hmm. effective. And so then it makes it easier for yeah. me to tie it. Mostly for like, if I want to crank out volume and I know I like to put two or three materials on a fly and it'll catch fish. Yeah. I like that method. Like, I mean, like uh, that is a variation. Like how long does it take to tie? If you can strip down mm-hmm. materials and it performs the same mm-hmm. way, then you may Sloop as well. used to always tell me if the fly takes you longer to tie it than it does for you to lose it in the trees or the bottom, you shouldn't tie. Wise words. <laughs> so it has to have a longer life expectancy. Sloop makes on the his river appearance than it again. Does your vice. Mm, nice. Because simple usually wins anyway. For sure. The only maybe exception to that is is streamers because you right. do have to put some kind of material into a streamer. There you need some time usually eh, to add enough mass to make it that big in the first place. Doesn't mean doesn't mean it has to have a bunch of materials, but the streamers take a little bit longer to tie. Is that why you guys tie? Well, we've talked about whether how we enjoy it, you know. Do you tie for other reasons? I mean, than to just put it this way. Do you tie to save money? Lots of people think they're going to get into fly tying to save money. Do you think you save money? No, because I keep buying materials because I think the next one of I'm Bill says I'm loaded. the next one is going to be the best. The next one's going to be the best. And then yeah. all it does it, you know, it ends up being the same thing. There's been some materials that occasionally get better, but I don't think overall, if you think of the grand scheme of things of buying, buying everything i don't think it's cheaper that's not the i thought it was like i that's what i told myself when i started yeah and at first at first and now it's just an excuse to start to tie flies Mm -hmm. yeah i agree i think it can be if you're really disciplined but i'm sure it saves me money discipline is 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 the uh is the key word there i mean if it becomes a hobby where you are adding materials and wanting to change everything and try new flies and, and create the next new fly or the next great fly, yeah, then you're not going to save money. I think I save money. I mean, if I add up all the flies that I tied tonight, yeah. you know, that's, you know, on two bucks a fly, two, three bucks a fly sometimes, I definitely saved money tonight. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the changing of fly prices through the years, like I used to work at the fly shop in college mm-hmm. and a, a beaded nymph would cost you know, X amount of dollars. And if mm-hmm. you go on any uh, fly shopper uh, online website that has tungsten beaded nymphs for sale, I mean, you could buy two nymphs for eight, ten dollars in a heartbeat anymore. It's right. like for what I tie, I'm saving money because it's all simple. I don't have any extravagant materials. Mm-hmm. There's no way I haven't saved money. Right. And as long as you don't buy, I don't know, 200 of that number 16 hook at a time. If you buy 20 at a time, then you're definitely saving. If you have a, a stockpile of materials, I'm saying, that, yeah. that it takes a full room, you know, to, to hold all your fly tying materials, you're not saving money. If I was buying like a $200 capes once, right. twice a year to tie some dry flies, then I would no longer be saving money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the more, expl- like, like, the more explorative you are, the less you, yeah. you save. Like I know what I want in my box. And because of that, I save it probably a tremendous amount of money because I'm not, I'm not buying that. And also like, I can't buy what I want. That's the other thing. Right. And so for that reason, I'm saving a ton of money because they'd have to be custom to make them what I want them to be. And you could pay somebody to do that, that custom work and trust them that they were going to do it right. But they might not. Like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. I, I tie my own flies for durability and for that confidence that they are going to hold up for more than just two or three fish. Cause I want to catch more than two or three fish on that one fly. So it's the quality, right? It's that that's in my hands. It's up to me. And so I know what I have. Yeah. So one of the things, one of the main reasons I started to tie yeah. in the, in the Western part of the state, there's not as many readily available fly shops as there are in central PA. Mm-hmm. And so I mostly had to order flies online you know, back in the day, things didn't show up at two days. It was seven yeah, to 14 point. days to get flies. Yeah. Yeah. And so I could tie a fly or two that night. And so I would 
immediately have that fly to fish it versus if I would click a button and order it, it might take me seven to 14 days. And now, you know, flies show up sooner than they have in the past if you order them online. But you can still have them available sooner by just cranking them out at the vice, right? And you could decide to get a dozen tonight of whatever you're going to need for tomorrow. That availability, again, that's a big deal. That's why I think it just makes us, uh, tying flies, having that being part of our life, part of this whole fishing experience, keeps us involved in a way that if you're not a fly tire, you're not quite as involved. Um, you're thinking about the things we talked about. All, what can I change? How can I adapt it? What are, what's, what are my situations? Um, how can I gain more confidence in the fly at the end of my line? And so you are problem solving. And it's just another way that it becomes part of our life out there, right? Yes. Hey, anything else, guys? You know, we were talking a little bit about um, tinkering and the next thing you change could be the best fly you fish tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah, well, that's fun. I felt that way a lot, especially early on when I mm-hmm. started to learn how to tie different flies. There was a lot of things to change, a lot of low-hanging fruit for things to I mean, improve upon. And yeah. I feel like for me personally, the longer I fish, the less focus I've had on changing stuff almost. I'm not saying I don't change things, Mm. but the less confidence I have in like a new fly. Does that make Mm. sense? It does. Uh, I feel like I'm the same. Your old age just made you wise. (laughs) He's so old. (laughs) Now, I mean, you get that confidence and I don't want to screw with it. I tie my, you know, my handful of patterns uh, the same way. That's what you're saying, right? I mean, yeah, I like rotating new things into my lineup and I'll test them but boy, those ones, I'm not like Trevor. I'm going to tie it. Di- I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tie it different every time. I'm going to kind of keep it the same. Those are my confidence flies for a reason. And I'm going to tie them with my taper, right? With my amount of tail fibers and whatnot. And I, I don't like to change them either, Austin. Right. And maybe what I mean is like the more I fish, the less hope I have in stumbling upon something great that's going ah. to fact, that's going to improve my, um, success on the water more than other things I can improve upon or change. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a neat thing to bring up here toward the end is that it isn't about the fly. We've spent all, you know, all evening talking about tying flies and what we can change and whatever, but definitely the most important thing to change is present that fly better. The one thing I'll say Mm -hmm. is when it comes to tying flies and Josh talked about being a little bit reserved I think when you start to go into streamer patterns and the vast majority of them and the different materials, if you're starting out tying flies and you want to tie streamers, there are so many different patterns. And that's where I felt like I've spent a lot of my money, like over the years of trying to buy different materials to do this or different materials to do that. And, you know, now I've settled on, I don't know, let's say 10 materials that I like to tie with you kind of have to go through your phases. Yeah, I think we all do. You brought up uh, the materials that you like to tie with. I find myself doing that all the time. If I do want to make an adjustment, I say, well, I already have confidence in Arizona synthetic peacock dubbing, for example. (laughs) It's something I use in about three different shades, and I keep going, huh, that'll look good on this fly. And yeah, you you find your materials. They may may be very different than the next guys, but they work for you. I don't think anything's written in stone. Like you're talking about like substituting things. Like Mm -hmm. if you look online and there's a recipe, I've never followed it to the extreme details of like the type of thread, the type of hook, Mm. all of that stuff. I think to some extent can be substituted in if it's something close. Sure. That's a good point. Those, Those two things may be the least important. I think thread is the least important. I I don't think it matters if it's dark brown or versus black. If what you have is black, go ahead with it. Hook might matter, you know, in in terms of shape and if it's curved or it's straight, eh, that might matter. But yeah, if you have something that's straight and it's close, good. You know, when it comes down to some of the key materials, the, the longer you tie, the more you go, well, that material I better have. That one's different. And that's what's really going to make the fly. I think we can look at a pattern eventually and go, that's the important part. Like with that crackle back, Josh, you're going to have to have that hackle. You're not just going to substitute dubbing. Well, I'll just yeah, dub the fly. Sure. That's not going to work. <laughs> the dubbing crackle back. Dub crack. The dubbing back. The dub crack. 
Monk dub. Monk dub. Monk dub. All right, there it is. Fly tying and the complete angler. So complete is a bit of a stretch. We know that this game is never won. This journey is never finished. But that's the goal, right? Being complete or well-rounded, ready for anything. And here it is again, versatile. By tying flies, we get closer to that goal, much closer. Because tying flies engages us in a deeper way. We're more connected, more invested in what we tie to the end of the line. With a few turns of monofilament through the hook eye, we are attached to our own creation and our own solutions. For each of us, tying flies is part of our life on the water. All right, Austin, will you read us out? All right. So remember, the Trout Bitten Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Trout Bitten website hosts over 900 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and the tags, too. Be sure to find the Trout Bitten YouTube channel, currently featuring the Trout Bitten Tip Series in collaboration with Wilds Media. These are short, useful, and unique tips for your fly fishing life. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment because it really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water. Am I any closer to, to real time? Uh, see, I thought it was like life or death, and then Bill's like, oh, okay, cowboy. That's not what you say. That's not what you say. It's like an obituary picture, Bill. It's like, hey, guys, you remember Bill? <laughs> he had so much fun. <laughs> a lot of times where I think I have like the next big thing, and then it's like, nah, I might as well have just tied a Ziploc bag to a B10S. He's bragging. Bragging about, yeah. Please hit. Hey, now. Give that to a friend when he needs flies. Give that to dad. Austin's pseudo-pheasant tail. Go to hell.